From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm your host, Siri Belusu. So here's a creative way to get out of paying your taxes. File a lawsuit against the IRS, arguing that its attempts to collect that tax are illegal. You may not win the suit, but if a judge grants you an injunction, you won't have to pay a single dime while your suit works its way through the court system. Sounds great, right? There's just one problem. There's actually a law that specifically prohibits this exact scenario I just described. It's called the Anti-Injunction Act, and it's been in place since the mid-1800s, shortly after the U.S. implemented its first income tax. It shields the Treasury Department from the types of lawsuits other federal agencies field all the time because, well, the Treasury Department isn't like other agencies. If litigation hampers its ability to collect taxes, the whole government stops working. But while the Anti-Injunction Act has been in place for more than a century and a half, its days may actually be numbered. The Supreme Court just agreed to hear a case that argues the scope of this law has expanded too far over the decades, and that now, taxpayers are being robbed of their constitutional rights to challenge federal agency actions. Of course, it's far from clear whether the court will end up striking down the Anti-Injunction Act after it hears the case in its next term. But Bloomberg Tax's Aisha Bagchi says the case could fundamentally change the way tax collection is treated in courts of law. And she says there are a lot of reasons why the court decided to hear the case now. One is that the case sparked a lot of debate among the lower court judges at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals below. Um, And one of the judges said that the Supreme Court's precedent plausibly points in different directions. So the court probably wanted to clear that up. But another big reason is that this is a case that could have sweeping effect for treasury regulations and other regulatory actions if the court says that the Treasury Department is getting too much protection from lawsuits trying to challenge its regulatory actions. So what is the heart of this law that's up for debate? The law is a law that actually has its origins uh, from uh, a statute that was passed during the Civil War era. Um, It was passed by Congress in order to help with tax collection and and assessment after Congress created the first federal income taxes. So it was designed to prevent people from being able to uh, sue to block uh, the Treasury Department and tax collectors from being able to collect these taxes and get in the way of, of tax revenue coming into the government. And it basically said that lawsuits that are trying to restrain the collection or assessment of taxes are prohibited. Uh, There are some exceptions to the law. Some of those exceptions have been created later on. So you can sue to challenge Treasury Department regulatory actions once you've paid taxes and you're trying to claim a refund. Or you can sue once the IRS has determined a deficiency against you and you're disputing whether you really owe the taxes they say you do. But the big key thing is that you can't sue to challenge regulations that are aimed at tax assessment before those regulations have been enforced against you. For example, by determining a deficiency or by paying the taxes and then seeking a refund. That's what's really in controversy. Why is this coming to the court now, even though it's been around since the Civil War? Right. It's a really long-standing law, but a whole lot has changed since the Civil War, you can probably guess. And one big change is the rise of the modern administrative state. So a big point that critics of um, 
this sort of protection for the Treasury Department, a big point that they raise is that the modern administrative state just didn't exist when Congress created these protections to try to get in the way of lawsuits that were going to impede tax collection. So now you've got Treasury Department regulations and other regulatory actions that have sweeping effects across society. Critics argue that a lot of those regulations don't have all that much to do with collecting taxes in the first place. You know, for example, the tax code has things that are aimed at combating poverty, like the earned income tax credit. Um, it has things regulating the entire nonprofit sector uh, because they don't have to pay taxes. And so the critics will say that the tax code really governs a wide array of administrative issues and other federal agencies face these lawsuits and they don't think that the Anti-Injunction Act, when it was first created, was really designed to govern this kind of wide administrative state because they don't think Congress really anticipated that state rising up. On the other hand, opponents say Congress can always pass a law saying they don't mean for the Anti-Injunction Act to have this far reach if they don't want Treasury Depart the Treasury Department to have these sorts of protections. And Congress hasn't done that yet. So what happens if the Supreme Court agrees with the critics of this law? It depends on how far the Supreme Court goes in agreeing with those critics. So to get into a little bit of the gritty details of this case, because it's important here, the case is challenging a notice that the Treasury Department issued, and that notice created a reporting requirement. It has to do with certain insurance transactions that can come with some tax benefits, and the Treasury Department thinks that those insurance transactions are being abused. So it wanted firms that are advising on those transactions to report those transactions to the government. And the firm is saying that this notice creating this reporting requirement was invalid, it wasn't properly issued. But the problem for the firm is that the Sixth Circuit has said that the firm can't bring the lawsuit yet because it hasn't been assessed a penalty, which is a tax for the purposes of the notice, has been deemed a tax for that notice. And so it, it, it's trying to challenge the notice pre-enforcement. Um, and that is blocked by the Anti-Injunction Act, um, the Sixth Circuit said below. And so if the Supreme Court decides that um, this isn't a proper use of the Anti-Injunction Act, it could simply mean that notices like this that create reporting requirements backed by penalties and definitely the Treasury Department issues those across a wide array of areas that taxpayers could then bring challenges to those sorts of notices. That would be kind of a limited step that would be a, a win for the critics. But the court could also go further. The court could say that the Anti-Injunction Act wasn't designed to bar any uh, lawsuits challenging regulatory actions that haven't been enforced yet. So it could say that the Anti-Injunction Act, this goes back to the Civil War era, it really wasn't aimed at the modern administrative state, it wasn't meant to have this kind of wide impact on uh, protecting Treasury regulatory actions, and it could cut back on that a lot. If that happens, that would probably expose the Treasury Department to a whole lot of more lawsuits, it would get into this big debate happening about how the Treasury Department issues regulatory actions in the first place, whether it always follows the proper procedures, and it would get into issues about whether the IRS has enough funding to be following all those procedures, doing all this stuff, um, and whether these lawsuits would really stop the government from being able to assess and collect taxes in the first place. So what's on the other side of that coin? What happens if the Supreme Court says this is an appropriate use of the Anti-Injunction Act? That would clarify an issue. You know, one big thing going on in this case is that the two sides are saying that the Supreme Court's 
case law on this issue is unclear, that the Supreme Court has made decisions that go both ways. And it would really do two things. It would bring clarity. It would say that taxpayers can't bring these lawsuits. They would know that. The Treasury Department would feel some protection about this. And then it would probably, if, if there are a lot of critics who think that this has gone too far, it would put some pressure on Congress. It would put pressure on critics to go to Congress. There's a concept in legal fields called tax exceptionalism. And that's basically saying a tax isn't like other things and it should be treated differently. So how does this case test tax exceptionalism and has it been tested before? It has been tested before. Uh, This case would be potentially another blow to tax exceptionalism if the critics win the argument about the Anti-Injunction Act. Tax exceptionalism is this descriptive term. It's describing the idea that Treasury regulatory actions are governed by different administrative laws and norms from the regulatory actions of other federal agencies. And so the scope of the Anti-Injunction Act is another instantiation of that idea that tax is exceptional, it should be treated differently. And um, if the court really says that the Anti-Injunction Act is being applied too broadly, that again would cut back at this idea that Treasury Department is subject to, to separate and special norms and laws governing their actions. So what can we expect next from the Supreme Court? So it'll be a while before this comes up again. There'll be more briefs now that the Supreme Court has taken up the case. Uh, Possibly we'll see arguments in the fall. Um, That'll be quite interesting. One interesting note about this is that uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, when he was a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, actually ruled in a case um, in a way that seems to favor Treasury. So one question is whether he's going to rule that way again. Um, he is normally aligned with the more conservative justices on the court. And here in this case, um, it's what, you know, in partisan terms, people would typically call the conservative judges at the Sixth Circuit who really had a problem with how this case came out and wanted more curbs to Treasury actions. But when it comes to the Supreme Court, at least you see one conservative justice Uh, suggesting that uh, in a previous case that he thought the case law was on Treasury's side here. On the other hand, you have a lot of conservative justices on the court who've been beckoning for more curbs on court deference to the administrative state in general. And this could be an opportunity for them to, to have their voice heard again about being worried that courts aren't doing enough to really review Um, the regulations and guidance that federal agencies put out and determine whether they're properly interpreting statutes that Congress passed. Thanks so much for joining us today, Aisha. It's a lot of fun to be here. Thank you, Siri. That was Bloomberg tax reporter Aisha Bagchi. You can find up-to-the-minute news at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website again is news.bloombergtax.com. Have any thoughts about what you just heard or anything else? Get in touch with us on Twitter at the very easy to remember handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by David Schultz and me, Siri Belusu. Kathy Larson is our editor. From Washington, I'm Siri Belusu. Thanks for listening. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.